Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Proof that what happens in Vegas sends shockwaves out across the internet, even if you're not naked. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, uh, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my home office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. It's fall. It's November. And in this week's episode, uh, recap my trip to Las Vegas. And then my guest is uh, Shane Ireland, and this time we get Shane's choices of tobaccos that are available, you know, current available tobaccos that he likes, enjoys, and can recommend. Uh, music for Halloween, which was yesterday, so sorry about that, uh, but the timing didn't work out. And a, a big mailbag and a rave, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, go ahead, turn it off. I know you've already listened, but you know, turn it off now. Go ahead. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, and uh, remember, the Pipes Magazine radio show is available anywhere podcasts can be found, including on your uh, smart devices that have uh, certain ladies' names that I won't say. So all you have to do is say those ladies' names or the Google name and tell it to play the pipes magazine radio show. And it will come up on your smart device. So you don't even need a, uh, don't really need a computer. Don't really need a uh, smarty phone or one of those things to do it. Just tell your smart device to play it and then you can hear it. Uh, in fact, um, all 500 and some odd episodes are available for download there. So, all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years, and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, Vegas trip report. And uh, this one's just going to be from my point of view. Uh, we flew out on uh, Wednesday and got out there uneventfully, although the uh, flight was kind of packed. But uh, yeah, got out there uneventfully. Uh, got 
checked into the hotel without any problems and on uh and Wednesday night we just, you know, grabbed something to eat. It'd been a long day, so uh met up with Dave and his wife and got to hang out with them for a little bit and then uh you know <laughs> had a few nervous moments, but I'll tell you more about that <laughs> for the following day. On uh Thursday, uh couldn't sleep in the morning. So guess who was up early? Yeah, six thirty, seven o'clock, roaming around. And uh yeah, so again the, the a little bit of last minute prep stuff had to be done and a little bit of uh yeah, a couple of errands had to be run. But I got a notification at about uh about ten thirty, ten forty five that our that some packages had arrived for us. And those packages were the uh, tote bags and the admission buttons that we were using. And once I got those and opened them up and saw that they were absolutely fine, I was very relieved because those were key to the event, obviously. Uh, so that took a lot of relief off. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was on. Uh, Thursday, we went and ran some errands. And then Thursday evening had dinner with uh, Kevin and his girlfriend, Lori. Uh, apparently he and Lori were celebrating an anniversary, although Kevin and I have been together longer and that, yeah, that does bother Lori a little bit, but uh, we have a slightly different re relationship, but, uh, but yeah, so we got to go out to dinner with them and that was really nice. And then came back and by Thursday night, I mean, the smoke filled rooms on the 14th floor were already going even to the point where, um, apparently there was, uh, too many people hanging out in the hallways and, we set off a uh, smoke alarm, in fact, burned it out. <laughs> so everybody was told to make sure that they're in the rooms with the doors closed. Uh, but it was great to see the smoke-filled room. Uh, Friday was uh, set up, and we got into the room at about 2 o'clock uh, to get ready for a 5 o'clock opening and had to do some fine-tuning to the, uh, to the uh, layout of the tables and a few tweaks here and there. And then build, you know, set up our signs and stuff that I had yet to see because they got shipped to Dave's house and he drove them out. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Lord of the Pipe Rings, Brad came and helped set up, and uh, we got everything all laid out, the registration table, and uh, we were ready to go at five o'clock. And then at five o'clock, uh, more about that on more more details coming up in the rave. Uh, but there was at five o'clock, there was a line out the door and uh, ready to check in. At one point, the line backed all the way up to the escalator and I kind of got a little, uh, little teary eyed. Uh, five to midnight was the uh, collector showcase and just the smoke filled room up in the second floor smoking area. And it was great to see people. There was, uh, I think we put out. 70 chairs 60 chairs around six tables and every chair was full as people came and went you know to and from dinner and hanging out smoking there plus uh there was some uh, a couple of rooms and room hopping was going on on the 14th floor so it's just a pleasure to see all those people and it took about an hour and a half for uh, registration and check-in to happen uh, but again this is the first time that that show had ever done a friday check-in and then, uh, boy, I was off to bed pretty early and, uh, more on Dave Peterson and his craziness in the, uh, in the rant coming up at the end, uh, Saturday up early again, show started, uh, show 
show opened to vendors at 8 a.m. And apparently there was a line of people there waiting for Dave and his wife to check him in. I wasn't quite there yet because I'm not a morning person. Uh, but that line was you know, quickly dealt with. And then at 10 o'clock, we had a line again of people waiting to get into the show. And the show was off and running. Uh, Saturday went relatively smoothly. And then the Saturday night dinner, again, where we set records of attendees. Uh, I think we ended up seating 85 people, and we were only budgeted for 60. And uh, Nate King gave a great presentation on his time in, uh, in IndyCar racing and how it applied to his pipe-making skills and prepping for pipe-making. Uh, and everybody stayed through the whole thing. Uh, food was good. Why our wives picked out a great menu. So thanks to them and thanks to the palace station for making sure that we were never out of food. Uh, Saturday night, more time in the smoke filled room. And I understand that there were some hospitality suites that opened up and stayed open until about 2 AM up on the 14th floor. I don't know. I was fast asleep. Uh, Sunday came and went and, uh, you know, we, uh, we opened the show at 10 and not a problem or a hitch. Uh, the show floor was busy most of the day. And by noon, you could start to see some of the, uh, some of the vendors had to pack up and get back to, you know, get back to home. But we closed the show at three and there was still probably a couple hundred people in the room and had to actually chase them out of the room and then tear down stuff and get packed up. And we had to be out of the room by five. And uh, dinner, uh, my wife and I were invited by Rick Newcomb to dinner. So thank you very much, Rick. And uh, we had dinner with, uh, with Rick, Steve Fallon and his wife, uh, and uh, Silver and Brad Pullman. So it's just a nice way, nice small dinner way to end the pipe show. And then from there, uh, you know, spent a little time up in the smoke-filled rooms checking on people because the hospitality suites were still open, I think, that night. And I think Dave said he closed that one at 1.30. That's when they ran out of steam. So, uh, And then Monday morning was a meeting with the, uh, meeting with the hotel to recap. Uh, let me just say right now that everybody at the Palace Station, the entire staff did an incredible job. They were very flexible with us and did their best we only had uh, apparently one person got a little gruff with the bartender but we never had to address that again uh, attendance wise we ended up uh, we sold 79 tables and we had about 210 walk-ins so at one point we had a total of 330 people in the room between those exhibiting and those that walked in uh, raffle tickets we sold 2,000 raffle tickets so that was great um, we sold uh, we sold about 80 something dinners I'm still not exactly sure because some people didn't come to the dinner and we don't have an exact uh, I need to spend time trying to figure out the exact number of dinners we sold but uh, yeah uh, raffle prizes again thanks to the virtual pipe club for donating the Janos Kokinos a uh, two-pipe set that came with six stems, and then a four-horseman set. Uh, those were, you know, four different, that was four different pipes from four different pipe makers. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, that's all I'll tell you about. Uh, watch uh, watch the VegasPipeShow.com website and follow it on Facebook and Instagram at Vegas Pipe Show, and we'll start posting pictures over uh, the next couple of months of the past show. And we'll, uh, as soon as we get details on the next year's show, we'll put those there. So, all right, Vegas Pipe Show is behind us. More on the, more coming up at the end on the rant. And in just a moment, uh, my time with uh, Shane Ireland. This is Internet Radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for a uh, you know for for the tobaccos that you like series is uh, Shane Ireland of smokingpipes.com and all assorted other entities within the smokingpipes.com empire and uh, well I guess you're just pure, you're just purely smokingpipes.com aren't you Shane No um uh, so I'm technically the vice president of uh, retail uh, and that's uh, globally so um, our retail channels in the U.S., which are SmokingPipes.com and Low Country Pipe and Cigar. That's our, our physical store here in South Carolina. Uh, I'm also in charge of uh, SmokingPipes.eu, uh, Peterson.ie, and the Peterson shop on Grafton Street in Dublin that has oh. been there for a very long time in a beautiful location. Uh, <laughs> and I'm in charge of our Chinese office and our Japanese office. And uh, and I guess you're kind of heading up pipe shows, too. So in your free time, what else is going on? <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, in my free time, uh, in my free time, I work and also smoke. And uh, that's pretty much it these days. But uh, yeah. but no, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun, of course. Um, pipe show season is behind us now, but it was a really good one. And uh, luckily, I get to take a break from traveling for uh, for a couple of months. Yeah, take a break, have a baby, you know, all that stuff. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, we'll drop that one in there. Um, all right, so now... <laughs> Uh, all right. So you, you have literally, I mean, you're going to trade shows and every tobacco manufacturer supplier is showing you what's new, what they have. So you are the perfect person to have on for, uh, what are you enjoying now? And, uh, and I think we should start off with, should we, should we just dive right into the Virginia blends? Just straight Virginias, no, no Perique, no Oriental, no nothing, just straight Virginias that you are personally really enjoying now? Ooh, oh, man. Okay, so. <laughs> and and so just a few, that, please, that, not all of them. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just going to say, the hard part about this is that most of what I tend to smoke on a regular basis has a little bit of something else. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Kentucky, a little bit of Perique, whatever. 
Um, I would say that in the last year, uh, my favorite Virginia that is just a pure Virginia that has come out is uh, actually an exclusive one for smokingpipes.com and Low Country Pipe and Cigar. That's Low Country Edisto. Um, I did a review on this blend, and I said that it is actually uh, maybe the best replacement for uh, Cornell and Deal's uh, Carolina Red Flake. If you don't have any or if you couldn't get it in a particular year, mm. um, Edisto is a straight red Virginia of a super high quality um, and uh, maybe maybe we can use that to pivot here a little bit only because uh, I think that some of the tobaccos currently on the market and some of the leaf that is currently being sourced by these guys um, is of an extremely high quality in some cases that hasn't been seen uh, in any of our lifetimes. Wow. All right. That, that's a, that, that, there's some bold words you're saying right there, feller. I know it. I know it. Maybe some of our younger lifetimes, but <laughs> but I think you get my drift. Yeah. And, and I, and I also want to make sure that everybody knows that you've also had a lot of experience with vintage tobaccos and you're always hounding around looking for, you know, some 30, 40 year old tin of whatever. Uh, so you, you've got an, you know, you know what that stuff was years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's one of the best part about pipe shows in general for me is, you know, I do I do shop for pipes, not as much as I used to, only because when the collection gets to be a certain size, yeah. uh, I tend I tend to do a little more trading and I tend to do a little more commissions from the pipe makers than just like looking at a table. But I always, always, always uh, shop around for tobacco at the shows. And, and uh, yeah, we were at the we were at the Las Vegas International Pipe Show last week and uh, I had a pretty good haul. Of vintage tins there <laughs> and actually that reminds me of a couple of virginia blends that i do smoke regularly mm -hmm. that are still available that i can confirm age really well um one of those is uh, uh, uh freeburg and trayer special brown virginia flake okay um really 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 good medium virginia with nothing else fancy in it a little bit of sweetness tons of body a little bit of earthiness that balances the sweetness so it's not sort of you know one-dimensional monochromatic and that tobacco i've smoked tins that were 25 30 years old uh 10 years old 15 years old everything in between and it ages so well wow and you can still find that for sure all right what about a virginia perique virginia perique so i would say uh there's there's many years and this is this has kind of changed over the years for me although i do still smoke all three of them but when you're talking about virginia perique especially stuff that's still in production right now um there's there's one one asterisk I want to make here, uh, but stuff that's still in production right now. I love the Holy Trinity from Rattrays. Um, you got Howl of the Wind, you've got Old Gallery, and you've got Brown Clooney, uh, and they are in descending order of strength and body uh, as as I listed them. So many many years ago, I smoked a ton of Howl of the Wind. Then I started to say, oh, you know what, Old Gallery is about the perfect all day medium smoke for me. And then lately, especially with in, with, with with regards to well aged tins um i've been smoking a ton of brown clooney which was the lightest of the three um and is the lightest of the three but any of those are sort of you know benchmark virginia perique mixtures uh and uh one of them will suit your preferences in terms of strength and body for sure uh but i do smoke all three of them on different occasions and again those have been regarded for decades and decades and decades by people who matter uh and who understand this and like no frankly no more than i do um, as some of the best tobacco for smoking now and smoking with age. Um, I do want to give one shout out to a blend that is not in regular production, if I may. Yeah. Uh, 
Go ahead. This year, um, <laughs> this year, this year was uh, Cornell and Deal's uh, 30th anniversary, and uh, Jeremy Reeves put together a blend called Anthology uh, that featured several really well-aged uh, grades of Virginia and a quality of Perique that uh, uh, basically he is single-handedly responsible for bringing to the market and that no one else can get, uh, and that is the best Perique that I've ever tried. Uh, both in a blend on and on its own. Uh, and uh, it is genuine St. James Perique, meaning that it is a single origin. It is not a blended product. It is grown, harvested, and processed by the same family on the same small farm. Uh, and I think that Anthology is the best Virginia Perique uh, that Cornell and Beale has ever made, and it's one of the best I've ever smoked. And to prove that I don't use my influence on people, I missed out on it. <clears throat> You know, um, I, I'm going to send you a tin, though, because I'm legitimately curious what you think. I, I mean, quality-wise, <laughs> I, I really think there are a few things that, that, that stand up to this tobacco. And that, kids, is how you beg correctly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think I was gone when it came out, and uh, and I missed it. And I was like, well, it's not Carolina Perique with red flakes, so I'll just wait. And then Jeremy said, well, you'll be waiting a while. I said, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, as, as good as the Carolina Red Flake with Perique is and was, as good as the Smoking Pipes 20th Anniversary uh, dark and, and, and regular flakes were, um, seriously, Anthology is a masterpiece. Uh, I don't use that word lightly. Um, um, and and I, I historically have liked Cornell and Deal tobaccos, but they've never been one of the uh, blending houses that I've reached for super, super regularly. Um, and Anthology is... I'd be I'd be hard pressed to say that it wasn't in the top uh, top three Virginia Freak blends I've ever smoked. Okay, of any age. All right, we'll get off of that because I'm salivating and and, <laughs> and I'm and I'm tired. You know, but that's okay. Um, all right, a uh, a Virginia Oriental because I know you uh, I know you you particularly enjoy a, a dash of Oriental. I do particularly enjoy a dash of Oriental. Um, so I would say that my again. Uh, and this this is just by virtue of, I think, Jeremy doing some of the more interesting and, and unique stuff these days. Um, there's a lot of Virginia Oriental blends that I enjoy and have enjoyed over the years. Uh, but but uh, you know what? You asked me for readily available stuff. I was about to say Sunbear. Because uh-huh. I think Sunbear and the variations of Sunbear that have been coming out every year uh, are about the best bright slash Virginia Oriental uh, flakes that I've smoked recently. Um so in terms of regularly available and sort of like cult following, um, one of my favorite Virginia Oriental blends that does not uh, include Latakia uh, or even Perique uh, is Savinelli Brunello Flake. Have you ever smoked that, Brian? Yeah, don't tell anybody. I've got it for review here. Ah, okay, okay. Savinelli Brunello Flake is uh, a, an excellent, excellent brighter sweeter and creamier virginia mixture that has a little bit of oriental complexity and body and spice a little bit of uh uh you know that incense and floral uh, equality but it has like a really sweet and tangy profile overall um so i think without the macedonian orientals uh it would probably be a little one-dimensional a little boring mm-hmm. uh, but as it stands it is a super super good all-day smoke for any virginia lover i also think that it gets bonus points for uh having a room note that is uh delicious and enticing to mixed company uh, i think you can definitely get away with smoking this one in the car or at the house with people who normally don't prefer uh the smell of perique or latakia or cigars um and 
this was released in 2014, and I have some tins from the original release, and it is aging beautifully. Ooh. Yeah, my uh, my uh, if I had a profile on Match.com, it would say, you know, must love Perique. So that would be the end of me being an unmixed <laughs> right, company. Right. So. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk uh, English, aromatics, burleys, and more with Shane Ireland. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Shane Ireland, who is now in charge of a couple of businesses in Ireland, coincidentally or overseeing them at least so aptly named um <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah good thing your name's not shane belgium because then you'd be well that'd be fun too uh that would be fun that would yeah. be fun yeah i feel like i finally earned the moniker um because it has nothing to do with my actual uh, uh lineage or <laughs> <laughs> yeah or, or background yeah um all right shane let, let's talk about aromatics and we love aromatics and there is a time and place especially for me with an aromatic or two uh but what are the aromatics that are on the market that that you like or can recommend or suggest Ooh, oh man see this is i'm realizing at the same time too that i'm just like i'm continuing to hype up like the limited edition stuff mm -hmm. um but uh i will say that um the two two of my most favorite. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. Sorry, I'm breaking the rules here. Uh, <laughs> two of my favorite aromatics that are currently on the market are uh, releases by Warped, uh, which is a collaboration between Jeremy Reeves and uh, Warped Cigars Kyle Gillis. Um, one of them just came out uh, and recently sold out, and that's Scarecrow. Uh, that was released for the first time last fall, uh, sort of in honor of All Hallows Eve. Um, a super, super full-bodied and interesting and high-quality tobacco base uh, with enough of a topping there uh, to give you some interesting aroma and a little bit of extra sweetness and uh, a little bit of those fall flavors, um, a little bit of like caramel, chocolate, vanilla kind of vibes. Um, also, maybe even a hint of candy corn, uh, but that is not the flavor. That is just kind <laughs> of how it came out. Um, uh. Also, earlier this year, uh, Jeremy and Kyle released a blend called Saint Espresso. Um, and everybody that knows me and knows my preferences knows that like there's a handful of times a year that I'm smoking an aromatic tobacco. And usually uh, I'll smoke a little bit and say, OK, that was enough. And then go back to my Virginias and my Virginia Freaks forever. But Saint Espresso is a coffee flavored mixture of uh, uh, three different Cavendishes. Uh, and these are not your standard Cavendishes. It's a red Virginia Cavendish made by Cornell and Deal, um, a uh, uh, in-house and a uh, Dominican cigar leaf Cavendish huh. and a very, very high quality black Cavendish. Um, and those all three together give you the burning characteristics and properties of like a sort of a, 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 a higher end mixture um, normally does, a natural mixture, I should say, not higher end. 
Um, and uh, the flavor and the aroma, the chocolate, the coffee, it is so good and so easy to enjoy that I have been craving it and returning to it regularly. Uh, and that just <laughs> does not happen for me, typically speaking. Um, it, that, other aromatics? Go that, ahead, go ahead. that kind of sounds like the, um, there, there's one candle that Bath and Body Works came out with that I like that my wife would buy. The rest of them I can't stand. But this one yeah, is called Par- yeah. it's called Paris Cafe, and it smells like somebody is, uh, it, it smells like somebody's eating a cappuccino and cookies, and I'm, interesting. Yeah, and of course they discontinued it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also do I also do really like quite a few of the G and H uh, uh, scented flakes. Um, I do like Bob's chocolate. I do like Louisiana Perique. But uh, I've always been partial to um, uh, Kendall Flake uh, and uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Rum Flake uh, both. Um, and those are those are those are sort of uh, traditional English aromatics that I that I return to pretty regularly. And again, they do have pretty long legs. Like you can jar that stuff up, age it for a long time, and uh, uh, you get you get like a constantly evolving sort of deepening of the flavor and and uh, expanding of the melange of the actual natural tobacco flavors and uh, and the toppings itself, which are very unique, of course. See, and a lot of us wouldn't think of those G and H's as as aromatics because the tobacco is the primary uh, experience or flavor, and then the the added flavor is the secondary, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that completely. Um, I cheat with that definition all the time. I think that there's crossover <laughs> aromatics. I think that there's aromatics that are uh, a little bit more about the casing than they are about the topping. Right. Um, I think that uh, depending on the tobaccos used, the strength of them, whether it's pressed or not, um, you end up with, uh, with something that is more tobacco forward. Um, but in the broad sense, I mean, isn't Aaron Moore an aromatic isn't, yeah. uh, and, and, and I do love Aaron Moore. Aaron Moore is a fantastic blend. Um, um, so yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I get a little, I get a little fast and loose on the aromatic term because, uh, let's face it, most tobaccos on the market are flavored, uh, and even more, well, well not even more, but, uh, a little fewer are topped and flavored, you know, uh, it's not just, uh, it's not just a matter of natural versus unnatural. Um, there's so much gray area in there. Oh, one more I just yeah. thought of that is undoubtedly and unarguably an aromatic. Uh, Silum's Black. <laughs> I really enjoy Silum's Black. That is a funky one because it also contains a pretty decent proportion of uh, Latakia. Um, but it really works with the aromatic topping for something that is like really rich and decadent uh, and, uh, and uh, easy to smoke. Um, and uh, maybe a little bit easier to get away with in mixed company than a regular English blend. Yeah, I mean, and there's a there's a really interesting conversation in there about you know the fact that like Orlick Golden Slice has a little artificial, you know, has some sweetener on it, and might have a hint of uh, something else in there. At what point yep. does does an aromatic become an aromatic? Because every tobacco's got something on it; otherwise, it would taste like burnt leaves uh, like dirt yeah <laughs> no i yeah. know and and i i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to do a little bit of that myth busting just because i think for far too long in our hobby uh, there's been a lot of people that have like turned their nose up at anything that mentions that, that, that it's flavored at all mm-hmm. and uh, i've said before to customers and to all of our other people in the industry that we chat about with this you know if you see something that mentions uh uh anything on the tin 
about flavoring, you come to it with uh, sort of your walls up if you're not an aromatic guy, quote unquote, and vice versa. Um, I know guys that that don't smoke Virginias because, uh, you know, at some point they smoked a bright Virginia flake, maybe in too big of a bowl, maybe in a bowl that was already ghosted, definitely too fast and too hot. And they had a bad experience. And then they say, ah, that's not my thing. Um, But the most important thing is that all of us reevaluate what is our thing as often as we can. Um, Your tastes change. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm guilty of it, too. I've been snooty about certain aromatic mixtures in the past. Uh, And like I said, I find myself smoking more of them as I become a more skilled smoker. Uh, Because the most important thing is what you're doing. The most important thing is that you're doing this thoughtfully. And I think nine times out of ten, if you're not enjoying a particular tobacco, it's because you're smoking it. I wouldn't say incorrectly, but not correctly. Um, you're smoking it probably too fast. The pack probably wasn't right. It probably wasn't the best pipe either for the cut or for the uh, uh, flavor profile. Um, the truth is that there just are not very many. I can count on one hand, in my opinion, there are not very many tobacco products currently on the market that are objectively of a low quality. Most of this stuff is extremely high quality and made by people that have been doing it for either decades or for centuries, and they know what they're doing. And if you don't like a particular blend, that has nothing to do with the quality. It has everything to do with your personal taste and secondarily, maybe even your technique. So I'm, I'm going to interrupt our normal conversation because we still got to talk about English and Burley blends to talk about this because uh, I kind of coined this... The pipe tobacco world was turning into Starbucks, uh, where, yeah. where we, you know, it, thirty years ago we all used to drink a you know a half a, a half a pot of coffee of Hills Brothers or Folgers a day, and now instead of that we're having two or you know one or two really good cups of coffee a day, and that's yeah. and that's the same thing that's happening with the pipe tobacco world where. Instead of, you know, like my great grandfather, rest his soul, uh, you know, he smoked a, a he smoked a can of Granger Rough Cut a week. Yeah, a, a 12 ounce wow. can yeah. a week. Uh, and now, you know, that now we've got this great assortment of, you know, all these really well blended uh, tobaccos that are, you know, more expensive per gram, but a much better experience. Uh, you know, I guess if you looked at the market like 50 years ago, you'd see all these mass market or consumer brands. I hate calling them OTC cause then they sound like a drug. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. But you have all these mass market brands and then you had a few premium brands. Well, now you've got a few, you know, very few mass market brands and, an, and a ton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the the Cornell and Deal catalog alone is bigger than the uh, is bigger than the New York phone book was. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing. Like, first of all, I mean, if you have been, I think if you have been, let's just say, new to pipe smoking, within the last decade, you are extremely spoiled for choice um, because we're in the middle of a renaissance, both of pipes and pipe tobacco. Um, I think to your point, Brian, like there was a period where a lot of the smaller producers and a lot of the, um, you know, old English brands that were mostly based out of shops, Astley's, Freiburg and Traer, Sobrani, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Rattray's, um, 
that kind of stuff had been dwindling and dwindling for years and yeah. being replaced by, you know, uh, brands that were mass market that had fewer SKUs um, and uh, and that were very popular and sort of dominated market share. Now, obviously, some of those brands are still dominating market share and that it's unlikely to change. But what you have is the premium segment of the consumer base um, are, are really, really engaged and really, really interested both in knowledge and in experience. So they want to yes. try a lot of things because they want to wrap their head around what's going on here. And then they're drilling down on, well, what is the absolute best of those things that I've tried? Because the experience is something that I value over everything else. Um, now, I'm going to make another controversial sweeping statement. And then we, will, uh, we, we, will, we will go right over it because it's just too deep. Maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> Hold on, kids. Here we I, go. <laughs> I think that a 50-gram or a 2-ounce tin – 50 gram can or a two ounce tin of pipe tobacco should be like 50 bucks. Whoa. I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of absurd and sort of insane that the quality of these products has far surpassed um, the, the sort of inflation of these products on a, a per gram basis. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think a really good way to, to think about that is to compare it to cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a, 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 a tin of pipe tobacco on average is the price of like ba- basically either a bottom line or a middling premium cigar. And think about how many more smokes you get out of that. And it's, yeah. it's and in a lot of cases, it's even more weight of tobacco. You know what I mean? Cigars on average do not weigh 50 grams of tobacco. Um, and yet they, yet we happily pay 10, 15, 20, 50, $100 per cigar. Um, but the same kind of care that goes into those, and, and trust me, a lot of care goes into producing cigars, um, goes into producing pipe tobacco. And I think, frankly, it is a ridiculous value proposition at the moment. It has nothing to do with profits. Uh, you know, that's just not how this works. Um, uh, but, but, but my point is, as a consumer, um, even if tobacco is more expensive than it used to be, uh, it is still just an insane value, pipe tobacco. Um, I had the same. I, what you're getting. I had the identical argument in my head when I was buying a uh, a couple of tins of uh, of a Scudo white painted lid. You know, going back to early 2000s, and this was four years ago, five years ago, and the tins were seventy five dollars each. And I looked at my, yeah. you know, I looked myself in the mirror and said, you know, hey, self. I'm going to get 15 bowls out of that tin. That's $7 each bowl. Yeah. Or if I'm doing the math right, uh, I would, I would happily, happily, you know, and and I can get those bowls to smoke for an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. If I nurse it and milk it and sip it softly and, you know, I'm, yeah, but I, and I would happily pay seven, $8 for a really good cigar, but there aren't any, really good seven eight dollar cigars anymore so i'd rather have that 75 dollar tin of a scudo from you know so you're right yeah it's what we are what we have fallen in love with is the dramatically most least expensive way of enjoying premium tobaccos yes yes and I've said it. I've said it before that uh, this is all about tobacco for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, pipes give you an added, like there's a bonus there. Like you get something that's yeah. aesthetic, uh, something design-wise, something that's crafted uh, to be a heritage item that you can pass down if you choose. 
there's an immense value there, both in experience and in actual resale value. But this is really all about the tobacco. Um, and if there was a better way to enjoy tobacco, that would be my main way of enjoying tobacco. Um, but I smoke, uh, I smoke pipes and cigars in that order, uh, just because they are the, they they provide the best experience and the best flavor. Um, um, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just think that, uh, like I said, the value proposition is insane. And, uh, I, I I will fight anybody that is going to tell me that there is nothing good on the market anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're and since we're going off the rails, and I'm allowed to, um, I will also argue because at the recent pipe show, uh, I met several first time pipe show attendees, and oh yeah, yeah, a couple of them I got to talk to, and they said, yeah, you know, I smoke my pipe two or three times a week, and when they do it, it's a sit down event thing. And that's absolutely wonderful. And I, their palates are far less abused than, say, like mine or even my great grandfather's. <laughs> I mean, my, my great grandfather's palate was, you know, dirty old pipes and uh, and Granger rough cut. Uh, so their palates are far more less abused and more in tune with what they're tasting. And yeah, I'm kind of jealous of them. Yeah, yeah. It's important to rest. It's important to rest. Um, um, I tend I tend to do it over the weekend myself because a ton of my smoking takes place in the office. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, all things in moderation. And and the the upside to that is when you rest a little bit, uh, you tend to have amazing bowls when you come back to it. Yeah. All right. Since we went off the rails, we'll move through these kind of quick. What are the English blends yeah. that you like that are on the market now? that people can pick up and buy that you can recommend? Ooh, 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 ooh. Well, I will say that uh, one of my all-time favorites, and it is not likely to change, uh, is uh, the Peterson Early Morning Pipe uh, yeah. slash Dunhill Early Morning Pipe of old. Um, it's an Oriental Forward uh, and a little bit stronger uh, of, a, of an English blend. Um, so I think I think I find it's a good transition for people that are mostly smoking heavier, fully bo- fuller, fuller bodied Virginias and Burleys um, because the Latakia is there. It's forgiving. It cools the mixture. It adds a lot of creaminess and a lot of interesting flavor. But you still have a really strong, uh, a full tobacco base. Uh, it's complex. It ages well. And it's actually a pretty good place to start uh, in Englishes. Um, other than that, I have been smoking uh, kind of a lot of warped Sarto, uh, which was the only blend in the line to include Latakia. Um, it is a complex mixture. There's kind of a lot of components in there. You've got Virginia, Latakia, Perique, uh, Orientals, and a little bit of Dark Fired. Um, and I'm finding that some of these blends that Jeremy has come up with, uh, either in collaboration with others or on his own, uh, that include both Dark Fired and Latakia to be really, really interesting. Um, there's a lot of good English mixtures out there, but those are the ones that I tend to return to most often. And you're a burly boy. Um, <laughs> that sounded wrong, but I'm going to leave it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what kind of burly, what burlies are out there that you, that you like? There's a ton of good stuff that Cornell and Deal makes. I think uh, even pre-Laudisi, uh, one of the things that they were celebrated for were their Burley blends, yeah. uh, sort of signature, sort of signature blends uh, that, that Craig and, and his and his compatriots uh, produced. Um, but I will say that most of the time, if I'm craving Burley, what I end up smoking is Solani aged Burley Flake, 
um, which is 656. It's in the brown tin. Uh, that came out in like 2008, I think, and uh, has been uh, just a, a, a standby uh, uh, burly for everybody that loves burlies. Um, also, Wessex, Wessex Burly Sliced. That is a fantastic product. And if you remember the Edgeworth of old, this is as close as you can get now. Um, and if you've never smoked the Edgeworth of old and you're curious what that was like, this is as close as you can get now. Um, honorable mention, uh, another fantastic burly blend that was put together by Cornell and Deal for Savinelli um, is um, part of their God series. Uh, and I'm going to remind myself which one it is before I misspeak here. Um, Janice <laughs> is the Virginia. Janice is the Virginia Perique, and I believe Juno's the straight Virginia. So, uh, yeah, Jupiter. Jupiter is uh, is the burly flake, burly Virginia, but still, uh, it's burly forward. Uh, you got dark fired. You've got regular regular grades of Kentucky. A little bit of red and bright Virginia, um, and and uh, black and white burleys. Um, super super good. Well, you've given us a lot to uh, slobber over. So. <laughs> uh thank you very much for coming on and doing this uh, appreciate it and i uh, and i like the little side tangents we went down there yeah that's always good right yeah yeah it's like we're actually having a conversation instead of you know like uh god knows like we actually planned this and scripted it <laughs> <laughs> right right <Yeah. laughs> shane thanks for coming on again thanks so much brian always a pleasure and we'll be back in just a minute Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line, to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hope you got something out of that. And, uh, you know, now you got some more choices to go through. All right, for music, uh, we go back to uh, pipe smoker and musician Lyle Erickson, who was on the show, oh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago. His band, uh, Pitch Black Manor. This is their uh, newest release. And, uh, yes, I know it's the day after Halloween, but, hey, timing uh this one's called transylvania kisses and i hope you enjoy it on halloween 1979 a group of teenagers drove to a hidden disco in the woods in order to fang out and get spooky but their dancing unearthed a nightmare
ironic part of that for me, Halloween 1979, I have a picture of my now wife and I, 12 and 10 years old, um, trick-or-treating. She was Princess Leia. I was a vampire thing. So there you go. All right, uh, Pitch Black Manor, fun, cheeky, campy, love it. I'm picturing some of you are cringing right now from it, but hey, it's all in good fun. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com, or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Those are the uh, best places to get the info to me. Uh, and before I forget, uh, I did buy a pipe at the uh, at the pipe show. I did not intend to buy a pipe at the pipe show because, uh, one, I'd my budget, I had been... Uh, buying pipes the past couple of weeks before the show uh with the intent you know with the idea that i was going to be busy so you know when you're running a show you don't always have time to go shopping uh but i did come i went to jeff grasick's uh, j allen pipes table and there were some estate pipes there now earlier in the day i had met uh jacob michelson mitch michelson's son who i had on the show uh six months ago or so and uh jeff had some estate Jay Allen pipes, one of them in a shape that I absolutely loved. I asked Jeff, what's the deal with this? And he said, I had a client that, you know, that I cleaned these up for and I'm selling them for. And then he kind of winked and nodded at me and turned to Jacob, who was sitting there. And I said, okay, great. So I picked out one that was from Mitch's estate and uh, in a perfect size and shape for me and very well cleaned up. And that was my one pipe and it will stay with me for a very, very long time. Because I have uh, very fond memories of especially hanging out in Vegas with Mitch. All right, in the uh, going back to two weeks ago uh, with the pipe stud, uh, Tad writes, uh, "What a great show leading into Las Vegas! Always a hoot to hear Steve the pipe stud. His thoughts on tobaccos and insight to the vintage tin market is always nice to hear." Uh, lost my space. Uh, there it is. Segovia was a wonderful selection, a fantastic few minutes of contemplation, watching the smoke curl up from the bowl. Thanks for always creating an entertaining and informative podcast. Keep up the nice work, Tad. Tad, you got it. Thank you. Uh, and then Scott writes, Brian, have been really enjoying your podcast. Thank you. And episode 527 with Steve Fallon was just a treat, as well as the Segovia Concerto. Uh, and then he uh, suggested some music, so thank you very much, Scott. Scott's up in Washington, where tobacco is almost taboo. Uh, and then Bryant writes, uh, Hi, Brian, as I write this, the Las Vegas International Pipe Show is killing it in the desert. I am thoroughly enjoying the pics and videos coming out of the show and hope to be at the next one. Your latest episode was excellent. I always enjoy hearing from Steve Fallon, and I continue to love the idea of recommending modern, readily available tobaccos. Steve's Texas drawl is relaxing for me, and I could listen to the two of you for a long time. Your musical selection was also very relaxing. I've always loved classical strings, whether they be plucked or played with a bow. This one was very nice. Uh, you were the one who originally brought the mortise and tendon cleaning to my attention, and this latest reminder was both timely and informative. Thanks for another great show. I hope you're having a blast at the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Best regards, Bryant. Yeah, I had a blast, and uh, I'm still not rested up from it. 
Uh, and then uh, let's see. Also, we have uh, uh, Hawkeye Linus said I have a little bit of tobacco from him in my mailbox this week regarding Steve. And then Teabaggin said, good episode. I really appreciate Steve's work. What a thrill to get up Saturday mornings after sleeping a couple hours to hunt down some elusive blends on pipe studs. <laughs> yeah, and you got to click really fast. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Virginia Piper says, Steve's always a fun interview to listen to, and I particularly enjoy his openness regarding his preferred tobaccos. Another good show. And then we have the usual suspects of uh, Dino, who says, uh, very good advice regarding the shank mortise maintenance. I really enjoyed your conversation with our friend Steve. His celebration of tobacco available today was refreshing. Steve's suggestions, choices, and tastes profiles were all well presented and will be of great benefit for both newer smokers and us old farts who bemoan the supposed loss of all good tobacco blends. Uh, the Segovia piece was just plain sublime. However, in honor of Steve, maybe you should have played Willie Nelson's My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys. <laughs> Thanks for another great show, Dino. Uh, maybe in honor of Steve, I should have played All My Exes Live in Texas. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, just a terrific show with Steve Fallon as usual. May have been the best one you've done with the stud. Ooh. Uh, your piece on cleaning the mortise was informative. You don't have to do it very often, but when you do, it is important to do it right. Uh, Steve really knows his tobacco. His suggestions could be of use by geezers and newbies. Now, whether we will listen is another story. Yep. Uh, codgers are pretty set in their ways, and newbies are usually mired in the quagmire that is today's arrow world. Uh, the Segovia piece was excellent. His classical playing was just the was just the thing I needed to hear. Dino's suggestion was probably right because we know Willie smokes. <laughs> Willie smokes one of those other pipes. Uh, and that's all I'll say. Yeah. And now for what I knew would be a controversial um, episode. Uh, the the one with uh, Fred Hanna in the 21st century pipe. Uh, completely, I knew this was going to, I just knew. I knew when we recorded this, this was going to spark some discussions. So here we have uh, uh, James writes, uh, Brian, enjoyed Fred Hanna's 21st century pipe dreams. I would add to his dreamy futuristic pipe interventions the idea of a universal pipe stem. It would be cool to be able to purchase variations of pipe stems that could be used with any pipe we own. Colors to choose from could be limitless. Pipe artisans could sell them and would offer the customer more stem choices for such a purchase. Fred needs to be your co-host. <laughs> the pipe rookie. Yeah, I don't think Fred and I could handle each other for too long. Um, and then uh, Tad writes, uh, welcome back from Vegas. Congratulations to you and Dave on what everyone has said was a great show. I enjoyed Fred com Fred's comments on the 21st century pipe. I'm not sure when all his ideas will be technically feasible, but someday I'm sure they will come to pass. One stands out as possible now, a mouthpiece made on a 3D printer. While not an expert in that field, I would think a perfectly tapered airway would be possible. Hopefully someone is experimenting with the theory already. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Tad. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, 3D printed. Yeah, that came up a couple times. 
Uh, and then Dan writes, Hello, Brian. I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now and really enjoy the content and learning more about pipes every time I listen. That being said, after listening to your latest episode regarding what a, tw a 21st century pipe would be like, I agree with you that it would be too heavy and expensive to seriously consider. However, you could make an automated tobacco packer that would work similarly to an automated coffee machine. The coffee machines that we have today can make anything from a black Americana to the fanciest lattes, and all the consumer has to do is add coffee and water. The machine does the rest. In that same context, one could create an automated, an automated pipe packing machine that could pack any pipe and any cut of tobacco. You'd start by placing your pipe in the machine and select options on a touch screen, tobacco, pack method, hydration level, etc. From there, the machine would process the tobacco to the desired specs and pack the pipe in the machine right in front of you. The result would be uh, the result you would be left with is a perfectly packed pipe at a fraction of the time it would take to perform the same task by hand. Sorry, that kind that got kind of wordy, but hopefully you understood what I'm talking about. Hope the show went well. I look forward to hearing the next episode. Sincerely, Dan. Uh, Dan, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. And in fact, a few years back, I uh, worked on the idea of a of a. Uh, of a simple packable tube of pipe tobacco. And now for length, because uh, we'll skip past a few of these. Uh, Jay Everett says, hi, Brian. I wanted to thank you and Jeremy for answering my question this episode. And furthermore, your follow-up questions were excellent in my opinion and closely followed my thought process. Hearing how the process runs along is very interesting to me. I had a suspicion Jeremy and I have similar tastes and I've become a great fan of C&D in the past five or six years. I really think some of the stuff they're creating is world-class. On the subject of the 21st century pipe, you and Fred had me laughing. Also thinking, though, if a proper material could be found for 3D printing, uh, that could be a game-changer. Maybe, maybe a one-piece design like a Dutch clay with the precision of a computer-engineered airway. Might be a great idea. I think Eric Nording has already been doing some similar manufacturing with his Keystone pipes. Jay Everett. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, uh, there's been some plastic pipes out there. Uh, and then J.M. Smitty 6 says, uh, Good evening, Brian. Again, a great show. Fred is attempting to solve a problem that no one knew existed. Seriously, though, I've never thought much about the future of pipe smoking involving the pipe itself. What with the proliferate proliferation of artisan carvers, that aspect increases the diversity within the hobby. I have thought about the future of pipe smoking being in growing, curing, and creating blends for the home smoker, akin to how home brewing revolutionized the beer culture in America over the last 10 to 20 years. I remember in the beginning you could get kits sent to you to do it yourself, and now I know of people who have started their own breweries or grow their own hops for beer. That has always been my thoughts about the future of our hobby. Interesting discussion nonetheless. Take care, Brian. Jason. Uh, yeah, Jason, the interesting thing about that is you're right. And uh, there's uh, legal remedy or legal ramifications involved in growing tobacco. Uh, and then uh, Dino says, Jeremy's comments on the question from Jay were quite revealing and informative. It's fascinating to hear how a tobacco blender holds on to established blends and creates new ones. 
Inside Fred's head and yours is jam-packed with amazing, geeky, Rube Goldberg ideas for the future of pipe design and smoking. Fun stuff, but pardon my codger response to all this, I'll pass. I like all the futzing around with arcane implements, choosing the pipe and tobacco from among those friends in my racks and tins, many with warm and fuzzy backstories that add to and inform my smoke. Uh, my walls are lined with books and LPs. I love holding a book as I read and placing an LP on the turntable. It makes me feel it makes real for me the process of enjoyment. Uh, Jonathan Coltrane is a is a very inventive talent. Ari, your brains was hysterical. Uh, let me say that again. Regarding your brains was hysterical. A great musical hook with outrageous lyrics. Loved it. His songwriting and music are often auture. But if you like this tune, you'll find his other stuff very entertaining. Uh, your rant, slow down, Brian. How many different tobaccos have come out in the past two years? Variations on basic flavors. Why? Because businesses need to make money, and the more tobaccos they can market using tweaks on an established product, the more chances of making a sale. It's simple. If you don't like it, don't buy it. I really enjoyed this episode. Thanks, Dino. Uh, yeah, but here's the problem, Dino. Uh, Nabisco makes Oreos and Nabisco makes multiple other crackers and cookies. Oreos don't have to be every flavor. Thank you. I rest my case. Uh, and then finally, uh, Casey Ghost says, really an enjoyable episode. Jeremy Reeves displayed a wealth of knowledge in pipe parts. It is simply amazing to me the amount of tobacco blends that blenders keep in their heads. Uh, Fred's head continues to amaze me. It must hold about everything on pipes and tobaccos. Have you ever asked Fred if he has ever done a self-analysis of himself? I'm like Dino. I like futzing around with all the tools and piping, even if most folks consider it weird. The music was okay, I guess. The rant seemed like a bit of a stretch to me. Darn. Thanks, Dan. All right, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the uh, forum there on pipesmagazine.com. And in just a minute, a uh, rave time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco. Why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collectors Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Cowboy. Cowboy.
let me take this time to say a bunch of quick thank yous and then a couple of really, really important ones. First of all, first of all, first and foremost, thank you to everyone who came out and attended the uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show. All of you who paid your $40 at the door or online, thank you very much. Thank you to all of those of you that bought all 79 tables from us. We really appreciate you trusting us. And uh, thank you to our sponsors who, uh, you know, ponied up some money and made the show go extra well. And uh, because of that, we were able to do those uh, fun bags and a couple other things. So thank you to all of you. But most importantly, I want to say a big thank you to my partner, Dave Peterson, who, uh, you know, was crazy enough to say yes and, and agreed to work on this with me. And boy, I'll tell you, if you want somebody to work a show with you, Dave was up late every night hosting in that in the hospitality suite and then up even earlier in the morning, making sure everything was running on time and doing the things that I just can't do. And I knew that I could rely on him to be there. I think he ran on like three hours of sleep a night for about four nights in a row. So thank you very much to Dave. And Dave ran those raffles like clockwork. So thank you again. And then uh, the unsung heroes, uh, my wife, Dave's wife, and uh, Jim Schaefer's wife, Terry, who really ran the registration desk got everybody checked in uh got all the you know got all the, everybody signed off and managed that desk and made sure that people that were coming in had their badges on uh you know without all those folks this wouldn't have this whole show just wouldn't have run the way it did uh dave i don't know how you did it with that little sleep at all and again thank you to all of our wives for uh for really pitching in and they didn't sign up for this they just happened to be dumb enough to marry the two of us and dave happened to be dumb enough to say yes to me and working on it with me so <laughs> uh thanks again to everybody all right uh comments questions email me brian at pipesmagazine.com uh, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, much appreciated. And keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show out wherever you are. Thank you to uh, Shane for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And bomba until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Thank God that's over because I've got a pee.